The uh, president of South Korea is coming to our country next week. He's very pro-nuclear. And South Korea just followed the European Union's lead by including nuclear in their green bonds. Here in this country, Canadians for Nuclear Energy petitioned the government of Canada through the House of Commons to include nuclear within our green bond framework. That petition was rejected. Here to talk about it is the president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. Always a pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to Dr. Chris Kiefer in Toronto. Chris, good morning. Hi, Sterling. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for the warm welcome. Well, it's good to have you with us again, Chris. Now, how recent was this uh, whole process of submission, rejection, etc.? It sounds quite current. Yeah, I mean, the petition was submitted actually back in April. Um, the House of Commons has a very interesting mechanism for Canadians to have their voices heard. If you can get a MP to sponsor your petition and you can get a certain number of signatures, uh, that petition is read on the floor of the House of Commons and the government is mandated to write a written response within a given time period. Okay. So we just got the response to our petition. Now, this petition, as you mentioned, it was in favor of putting nuclear into our green bond framework. Nuclear is currently classified essentially as a sin stock uh, within that framework. It's excluded alongside gambling, tobacco, firearms, you know, the typical sin stocks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we found that to be unacceptable. You know, we're in the midst of, you know, a climate crisis. We're in the midst of a major economic downturn. And nuclear answers a lot of those questions in in a proven manner. Um, I know you're out in you're out in BC, but right here in Ontario, uh, nuclear provided 90% of the energy we needed to phase out coal, for example, off our grid. Exactly, and of course, Ontario, the only jurisdiction in the country that I'm aware of that is currently using nuclear on a daily basis in terms of regular power supply. Chris, can you take a quick second and uh, remind us what the green bond stuff is about in the first place? Sure. I mean, so look at any large piece of infrastructure in this country. It was funded by low-interest capital. You know, it costs a lot of money to build a bridge, to, to dig a tunnel, to build a huge hydro dam. And the way that we finance those things is generally through government-backed bonds. Okay. You know, most, most governments, particularly, you know, the Canadian government is fairly well-regarded in terms of, you know, its ability to pay back its, its uh, debts and its loans. Um, and so the government will back certain things. And now with this green bond, the government's recognizing we have major challenges uh, with climate change. We just saw Hurricane Fiona, you know, destroy the East Coast. You had your heat dome out west last year. There's clearly a need to act on this rapidly. Um, and so it's a wonderful idea to have mechanisms to steer uh, that low cost capital towards the projects that are going to have the biggest bang for their buck. Right. Um, and nuclear really is it. Um, you know, a lot of Canadians aren't aware um, you know, we are we're, we're kind of freeloading on all the hydroelectricity that we've built sure. again with bonds over the last few decades. Um, but we're running out of spots to put new hydro and things like the site C dam are controversial. To say the least. Valleys in yes. So, Chris, let's talk then a little bit about the the green bond uh, business, because uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, the Korean South Korean president is coming to town, so to speak. His country uh, has followed the European Union. This is not one. This is the European Union, all of whom have agreed to include nuclear in their green bonds. So your response, the rejection of your petition for Canada to do the same, the rejection letters were written by Jonathan Wilkinson of Vancouver, the Ministry of Natural Resources, and the Deputy Prime Minister, uh, Christian Freeland. What were their combined reasons for saying flat out no to nuclear as a, as a component of Canadian green bonds? 
Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, both of these ministers are living in the past. And I'll be the first to say that nuclear has traditionally been excluded from these green finance mechanisms. And that has a lot to do with some outdated prejudices against the technology. It has to do with, you know, who these bankers are and who they're being advised by, which is generally by large environmental NGOs, who unfortunately are horribly misguided on this. Um, But as you mentioned, um, countries are coming out of the woodwork now to include it in their taxonomy. Um, You know, presently, for instance, the country of Belgium um, does not include nuclear in their taxonomy. That was what uh, Christia Freeland referenced. Belgium also, in the midst of the greatest energy crisis in Europe since OPEC um, in the 1970s, you know, we all know what happened then. They just shut down one of their nuclear reactors that provides 10 percent of the electricity on their grid. And not for any kind of safety reason or because the plant's too old, just because of these old green ideological commitments. You know, they don't even have the gas to replace that plant. So why would forecasting blackouts? So we shouldn't be following the example of of countries like Belgium or Germany, for instance. South Korea has an amazing track record of building nuclear plants on budget and on time, cost competitive with coal. Um, So we should be following the example of, you know, cutting edge developments in green finance, not making excuses and staying at the back of the pack. Well, Chris, I'm curious about back to Belgium, if you don't mind for a second. Here's a country that has no option, no no alternative to go to. And yet they turn off the nuclear tap, which represents roughly 10 percent of their energy consumption. That's basically shooting yourself in the foot uh, with no other option to go to. The Germans are in exactly the same boat, but they're now back to burning coal. So how, for the greenies in Germany, who actually convinced the government to go non-nuclear, the net result of which is burning coal, how can that be registered as any kind of positive outcome? I'll I'll let you in on a dirty secret, Sterling, and that is that Germany never moved away from burning coal. They invested over $500 billion in a wind and solar-driven energy transition. Uh, You know, whatever their intentions were, that's wonderful. But before the Russian invasion, in 2021, coal was the number one source of electricity on the German grid, despite Hmm. all of that spending. In Ontario, we we got coal off the grid. We made it illegal to burn coal in this province. We were only able to do that because of nuclear energy. You know, so, you know, had the Germans followed the Ontario example, had they spent that money instead on nuclear, they would have a completely decarbonized electricity grid and it'd be well on their way to electrifying their whole transportation sector. So, you know, this is a real moment where we we can look at the experimental evidence, you know, countries and provinces that went all in on nuclear and got excellent results in terms of their emissions, their air quality, their economics. And we can look at countries like Germany, which is, you know, it's it's tragic. I mean, it's, it's really sad seeing what's going on in that country. But it's literally taken the sabotage and explosion of their two big gas pipelines from Russia to bring them to their senses to keep their last uh, two of their three remaining nuclear plants online. Yeah, That's how so stubborn they are. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, the fact that they, they had planned to just to, to completely shut down. And because of the current energy crisis pre- precipitated by Russia, Germany can't completely shut down its nuclear, despite willing to, uh, to satisfy the green component in their political lives. Uh, they've, they've now, uh, as you say, they're going to maintain two of the three because they need to. Sterling, I have some, uh, to switch the topic slightly, I have some very exciting breaking news for you. I'm not sure if you've been following it out in British Columbia, but right here in Ontario, um, one of our big nuclear plants that provides 15% of our province's electricity scheduled to be shut in 2025 um, has been life extended, just announced on Thursday, and plans for refurbishment are underway, which will keep that plant operating another 30 years. 
And this which- has been endorsed. Um, you know, this was pushed by my organization. We really put out the template for it with our report. We just had an endorsement yesterday from Asthma Canada praising nuclear energy as something that has drastically improved air quality in Ontario. When we burned coal, we had 54 smog days a year. Asthmatic children basically didn't leave the house for the whole summer. Yeah. Um, at the end of our coal phase, we had no smog days. Um, our campaign also endorsed by someone called the godfather of climate science, um, NASA scientist James E. Edward Hansen. Um, so, you know, we're feeling really great here that there is a big turnaround. We're seeing a turnaround of nuclear around the world right here in Ontario. Um, you know, in the UK, they're planning on building eight new large reactors. France, 14. South Korea is planning on doing a big build out. Japan, site of the Fukushima accident, yes. is turning the reactors back on finally. Um, so, a huge turnaround happening. I know Canadians have some concerns, um, and I really encourage them to, you know, come check out our website, c4ne.ca, um, to have some of those concerns answered, at least to, you know, get a second opinion on some of the, the some of the beliefs they may have at present. Yeah, almost out of time here, Dr. Kiefer, but I'm glad you brought up the word and used it, Fukushima. That was the reason that Merkel and the German government used the excuse, at least, to, to, to lean to an anti-nuclear posture and to take them in the direction of closing down their plants. Japan, the site of the new, of the Fukushima nuclear accident that uh, the world paid a lot of attention to, uh, Japan is coming back to nuclear. That can't have been an easy decision. Well, you know, it's interesting, Sterling. We, we had to correct the CBC News uh, earlier this year on the anniversary of the Fukushima accident because they said, you know, the Fukushima nuclear accident where 20,000 people died. No, 20,000 people died because of the earthquake and tsunami and the devastation of that country. Right. Right. The third largest earthquake ever recorded in human history. There's not been a single death associated with radiation release from that nuclear plant. And that comes from the highest scientific bodies of the United Nations. Right. So that, that, if anything, you know, in a strange way, almost proves the safety case of nuclear energy. We had three large reactors meltdown. Um, they have excellent containment. There was a radiation release, but it was at such a low level that it didn't actually cause any deaths from radiation to the surrounding populace. So, again, a very interesting factoid there. 20,000 people died not because of the nuclear accident, because of the earthquake. But there's this tendency again, right, um, unexamined uh, facts, right? So, again, I would really encourage people to come check out our website and to educate themselves because there is a big change happening. This is happening because of climate change, because of concerns around energy security, and nuclear really ticks all of the boxes for the kind of energy that we need to go forward to electrify everything and, and take appropriate action on climate change. Indeed. Dr. Keeper, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you very much. And let me just remind our listeners that that website that Chris is talking about is C, the number 4, N-E, C, for ne.ca or you can do the long form and go canfornuclearenergy.org either way check out the website it's a wealth of good information dr Kiefer, we'll talk again sir thanks for this chris take care sterling thanks for having me back Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.